This is working the beat. It is Friday, December 13th. Lucky December 13th. I'm Kevin Kinney alone with Mike Kern. Glad you could join us here on your favorite podcast. We head into another football weekend, Army Navy weekend in town. Big, big gathering in South Philly on Saturday. We'll talk about that, I'm sure, in our picks. Uh, coming up, we have Ricky Ricardo joining us, the voice of the Yankees and the Eagles in Espanol. Uh, we'll talk about the Phillies pickup. Yeah, we'll, have to, we'll talk about the Phillies pickup of D.D. Gregorius. Ricky knows D.D. well from his years in the Bronx. Uh, kind of get his thoughts on that. Also get his thoughts on uh, the Eagles heading to Washington this weekend for a critical game before the showdown next weekend against the Cowboys. Michael, how doesn't, are you? Doesn't matter. Doesn't. If they lose, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Oh, we should point oh. out Michael is under... Playing, uh, yeah, playing, playing her. hurt, but it's okay. It was um, we were bartending last night. Eddie Barkwitz and I down South Philly for toys for to- not toys for to- but it's for toys for kids. And uh, Bob, uh, Kevin was there. Good time. I, I had been not feeling good for a day and a half or so. so I just don't feel that good. But we should point out some we'll, of the others we'll who showed okay. up. Oh uh, God, yeah. Amy Fedol was yeah, there. Amy comes every year. Yeah. Amy and Sean, her husband. Um, there's some people I hadn't seen in a little while. Joe Giuliano was there. Bob Ford. Bobby Cooney. Bobby Cooney. Mike Jensen. Um, I saw somebody like Norm Evans and I hadn't seen. And it was so good to see. Dave Pauly, the coach at pharmacy, the nutty coach at yep. pharmacy. I still call it pharmacy. It's University of Sciences. Sciences. Um, yeah, and, and a bunch of old Daily News people that, like me, aren't there anymore. Drew McQuaid. Um, and there was like three or four others that come every year. Kevin Bevan. And, and I'm going to miss some of the other names. But, uh, yeah. It was fun. We had a good time. And uh, any idea on how much with the? Toys? I have not talked to Eddie yet. I, I, you know, he usually does pretty well. Yeah, he usually sends a picture out on Twitter, thanking everybody with the toys under the tree. So, um, yeah, it's always good at this time of year to have um, to to be able to give. ulterior motives. No, or no, not, not ulterior motives. Edward. Right. <laughs> but to be able to give, and you know, obviously it was a great time down there last night. It's Old Man Joe's, which is the um, they filled in. It was good. It was it nice was, of them. Yeah, because our other place had gotten sold, uh, so we we didn't go back there. We'd been there for yeah. Old Man Joe's came and the jack. By the way, the wings, incredible. My, my son got those. Him and his friends, and I tried one. They were they were pretty good. They were good. Yeah, so very well. Yeah, done. I got I got the twenty. Piece That's with my one my buddy uh, Wags, good James Wagner. Him. Good to see James. James is uh, the the assistant commissioner of the CSAC. Yeah, good guy. And um, so it was good. We had a good time. Obviously, the Sixers were on last night. We watched a lot of that. Nice win for them. Nice win for them. I'm heading down after we're done this to see Pelicans and Sixers this evening. Um, non non Zion Williams. Non Zion Williams. Pelicans. Pelicans are not the same without Zion. Well, they won't. They haven't had really. Even if Zion. they had Zion, yeah, they weren't they going. To were, the probably the weren't going to the playoffs. But who knows? Maybe they would have contended for the A spot. You know, well, it, people, people just want to see him play. Before we get to Ricky and we talk about all the other stuff, it, you know, we sometimes hear about athletes who, when they're criticized, get their get their get their backs up a little bit. You know, don't go into Joel, please. I actually thought that was really encouraging one. Uh, his it's whole thing. One. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah, I, I his comments I, about yeah. the Barkley and Shaq criticism. Forget and, the game. And, and it'll last. Th- it'll last. Joe is never. And, and God bless him. He's one of the best. 
10 players in the league. He might win a championship or championships here or somewhere. But he's Joe, he is not going to change. He is going to be the player. He might refine himself. He might grow a little. He might change. But he's Joel. That's what, and so now he, he got all, you know, because two guys who really don't even follow the league. Let, let's be honest. Did Charles oh. and Shaq follow the league? No. They saw he had a couple bad games, and they made comments. Uh, and one of them was on their air, so they yeah, were able to focus on against, uh, against Denver. Yeah, they took shots at Simmons, too, and that's fine. You know, and then Simmons will go out and have a 32-15 whatever. And he, he didn't and play real well last night, but they won. So I don't care. Do you th- do you think though that when it comes look they're both Hall of Famers that it should carry extra weight to a player like Embiid? It, it it shouldn't go unnoticed. I'll put it that way. But if Joel needs to be pumped up by something somebody says other than his coach or his teammates or I I don't understand this way that players just can't make themselves better. I, I've never understood that. Does somebody have to tell Mike Trout what to do? Like, does somebody, hey, Mike, you know, you need to play a better, you know, you need to do that. But no. Did anybody have to tell Michael Jordan? Really? Did anybody have to tell LeBron? Did anybody have to tell Kobe? I don't think so. so I think it is a generational thing, though. I it think could be. It, it, and I have no, if, if that helps, Joel. But what I'm saying is I don't think a month from now, Joel is going to remember what Barkley and Shaq said. Now, maybe they'll say something in a month. Or next year during the offseason or something. And if it helps, God bless. It was like Brett Brown coming out last week with... With the shooting thing with Ben. Enough. Enough. He's taken two shots in yeah. 30 games. Yeah, that <laughs> I think is the disturbing part when your head coach doesn't seem like he's able to get. But that's a Shaq different. and Charles get paid a lot of money to say stuff. And I'm not saying what they said was wrong. I, I don't mean it that way. But then Joel goes out and has a 38 and, what was it, 38 and 15 or yeah. whatever. Yeah, and, and he's going to do that a lot. So I know what you're saying. And, and I you're, don't. You're dis- right. You're right. The, the way he handled the it. The way he handled it. And yes. Forget because there are guys who will, look. If Simmons has that criticism, well, he just wouldn't say anything, or he would get his backup. Yeah, but but I mean, some or I'll some do what I want. Some which player, is the worst thing. You some can players say. might come out and actually say something, yeah. like against Shaq or Barkley. Which then becomes the really stupid thing, you know. God forbid Max Kellerman says something about you or, or something, or you know, uh, screaming a. Um, <laughs> I like I I love I love I know, love Steve. You know what? I hate saying this. You know, you and I talked last night a little bit about we should get this person on the show, that person on the show, and everything. We get Steven. I would love to get Steven on. Yeah, but but Steven, you have although Steve is probably above our pay grade right now. Hey. You never know. I mean, Stephen and I knew each other pretty well for a while back when we were both covering Temple. And I think Stephen is kind of, it, it's just that you've got to go in with the idea that, that Stephen knows half of it's fake. Mm-hmm. We always, I mean, you know, and he's not going to tell you that, but we know that. And half of it probably is real in his mind, you know, when he says stuff. Um, but they're going for ratings. That's what sure. people, we, we, we do the same thing. We're trying to say stuff that will make people listen and, and want to listen. But, um, yeah, I, I just think that, that the people, we live in such a reactionary social media world. So Shaq says something, Patrol says something, and Joel has a great game. And so, and, and, and everybody's, oh, wow. well, let, let, let's see three months from now. Let's have a conversation. Joel's one of the best 10 players in the league. Yep. Is he the best? He's not in the top five, not right now, but he, he, that's who he is. And Simmons is an all star. And I think the best part about last night, if you look at it, forget how all that. To win in Boston, yeah, 
and especially when Boston had closed at the one and you could feel the, the, the kind of the, the screws tightening on the Sixers. They hit all their foul shots coming down the stretch. They played fundamentally good basketball. Well, down look at the, the last week. They've beaten Denver mm-hmm. at home where they, they, who's the other Toronto team? at home, Toronto and, and one plus, but don't you think in the back of your head, there's the, something missing. Boston, no, no, I don't mean it that way. I mean, if Boston and Sixers are matched up in the second and a two, three matchup mm-hmm. in May, yeah. you're going to feel a little uneasy. I and I'm not, I don't mean that means they're going to lose. I'm just saying is you're going to sit there and go, it's the damn Celtics. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we've been here a hundred thousand times in our lifetimes. Uh, and I still think they're the team that scares you a little bit. I mean, obviously Milwaukee. Yeah. Scare. I don't think Toronto scares me as much. No, I think Indiana's a little scary. Uh, if, if, if Oladipo is, is yeah. back and healthy, yeah, yeah. They're, they're pretty good team. They're pretty good. Um, but it should but they be. Have, but he, the, he, yeah, Oladipo has to be completely. It should healthy. be the Bucks and the Sixers. I All mean, right. that's what it should be. Yep. All right. So when we come back, we'll talk to Ricky Ricardo. We'll talk Phillies. We'll talk Eagles. We'll talk Didi. Oh, we'll talk. I'm sure something. You know what? I want to ask him about Rick James too, because he has some great Rick James stories from his uh, old the, the Rick James. The Rick James. What was he like? A roadie or something? He was a DJ for a long time. Okay, I used to like Rick James. Yeah, back in the day. Yep. So super freak me up, man. Yep. We will get to it uh, after this here on Work of the Beat. Looking to reach the sports fans of Philadelphia in a brand new way. This is Kevin Cooney. Each week, the Work of the Beat podcast with Mike Kern and I brings the hottest topics into this sports crazed town with the people and the events that shape the landscape. Now, your business could connect with those people by advertising on the Work of the Beat podcast. Join us at 267-546-7277 or email us at workingthebeat at gmail.com to find out how you can reach out to this growing audience. It's the best sports talk in Philadelphia, and you can be a part of it. That's 267-546-7277 or workingthebeat at gmail.com to join the Work in the Beat podcast family. And joining us now from his... Palace, we should point out. Palatial. Palatial uh, estate. The voice. It doesn't matter if it's palatial. It's in Florida. It's in Florida. It's all to matter. The voice of the New York Yankees and the Philadelphia Eagles in Espanol. Our good buddy, it's Ricky Ricardo. Hello, Ricky. Gentlemen, good afternoon. It's a pleasure from my my lush palace here in, in beautiful Highgate Park. In Orlando, Florida, just outside of Orlando, Florida, right outside Disney World, here inside the uh, WMA Studios, <laughs> powered by Spectrum, by the way. Uh, location, get, location, get, location. Get the, get the plug in. <laughs> that's always, yeah. that's Ricky's motto, right? It's important. Bills, my friend, I got to get that plug in. Um, mm-hmm. Here's the first question. You got a yeah. ring a couple years ago. What'd you do yes, with it? I do. It's in the bedroom if you want me to go get it. No, no, that's okay. I, I don't need you to get it, but... Is it, do you wear it like Eskin? No, I don't. No, no. It, it, it's actually so big that it kind of slices the skin on the other two fingers around it when I wear it. Right. So it, it, it's a, uh, I, I've got to put like a Band-Aid on the pinky and the middle finger when I put it on here. Uh, and I only do it for special occasions. Uh, no, so to answer your question, I am not Howard Eskinish yeah. when it comes to the ring. It's, that, that's like it, the it, 
He that, he won't be happy to hear that. No, he won't. Uh, you yeah. know, if Howard could put it like on a billboard that it has Eskin on the side, he would. I love Howard. Well, he, could but put, he could put it through his nose. <laughs> I don't want to see Eskin with a nose Shut ring. An ear ring. And Ricky is silent on this one, huh? No, no, I'm gonna leave that one alone. <laughs> yes, I don't blame you. Remember, his son is my program director. Uh, exactly. <laughs> I don't blame yeah, you I, at I, all. I, although, he, I like Howard. Howard. Me and Howard are. Over. I we love Howard. I love Howard. Although, in fairness, Spike probably would be the one who would want to see the nose ring of Eskin of Howard more than anybody else. Let's be honest. I, I'd pay to see that myself. I would. I would too. Uh, all right. Do we start with the football team or do we start with the Eagles or the Phillies? What do you think? I'll leave it up to you. Well, uh, since the winter meetings have just come to a to a to a conclusion, I, I think the Phillies might be apropos, and then we'll work our way down the turnpike down I ninety five. Yeah, to uh, that dump and Landover. <laughs> to that awful dump and Landover. Yeah, Landover. Which, remember, remember the previous owner, Jack Kent Cook. Yes. Of the Redskins, before Snyder bought it. Mm -hmm. His two his two sons were Ralph and John. Was known as Ralph John. It was Ralph John Maryland, Maryland until they sold the tip. They actually were able to, you know, manipulate the Maryland government, the county government there to make the location of the stadium Raljan for as long as they owned the team, but went back to uh, Landover as soon as they saw and, it. And, and we will say this since, all right, we're going down this road. That is the biggest dump in the history of professional sports. It's, it's awful. It's awful. It is. And you can check with Merrill Reese. Yeah. Merrill it has to work from the end zone. It's the worst location for a broadcast booth in all of sports, not just football. All right, so Why is that? it's only twenty years old, right? Yeah, so. but what happened was Dan Snyder when he came in, right, decided why should the media have the prime seats around the well, twenty? Well, they tried to do that with um the link with, with many stadiums yeah. in Philadelphia. I remember Ralph Bernstein, the the AP guy from way back, and when they moved into uh, I guess it was the Vet, and they were trying to put the the media out yonder. But yeah, well, the new Hard Rock where we were at in Miami, right? The new configuration of Hard Rock Stadium, which used to be Joe Robbie, which was uh, had like eighteen names in between, right? They also they also mm -hmm. moved the radio booths into the corner of the end zone, a la FedEx Field. So even the uh, stadium that will host the Super Bowl this year, of which it might be a pipe dream of getting back to this season, but you never know, right? Uh, the radio booths, uh, both English and Espanol corner of the end zone terrible well, i hate to tell you this boys but we don't count we don't count but i will say the worst part i think of what happened at fedex for the media was you were on a low angle like you know at the link you're above everything mm -hmm. mm. um i think even at, from what i've heard in miami you're a little bit above correct you're, uh, you're at a little higher slightly, elevation. I mean slightly higher than FedEx, not much. FedEx, literally, if the person in the back row of the yeah, first right level, yeah. they block your view. It's awful in that sense. Yeah, and uh, and if you get sm you know some smart Alec Redskin fans, they like to throw things into the booth. Really? Yeah. I, I thought they were too kind. Well, there's no real Redskin fans anymore. Have you ever seen a franchise that went from being like the absolute gold standard like they were for a long time they were a class personified season ticket waiting list for 40 50 years mm -hmm. to literally that place will be three quarters eagles fans on sunday 
that that will be uh, an eagle house on Sunday afternoon, and all really, because of I've one seen, man. I've seen the decline of this franchise under the ownership of Daniel Snyder. Uh, year by year, just gets worse and worse and and worse. They really do need to move that team back into into the uh, into the city mm-hmm. of Washington D.C., of which I've heard there are supposed plans for this. But they've got to first get it out of uh, of uh, Landover, Maryland, bring it back into Washington D.C. or somewhere over there by where they have the baseball stadium would be uh, would be a preferred spot for most of those Washingtonians. Right. But if they could get if they could move the owner and change the name of the team, of which I don't really ha- honestly I don't really have a big issue with. Uh, many people do. Right. But uh, the the ownership, uh, it, it's, look, Snyder's not going anywhere. He's a, a lifelong fan of the team. And I don't think, I, look, who sells first, Jerry Jones or Daniel Snyder? It might be a matter of who, who perishes first. Right. Um, so, in between those two. So, was Monday night a turning point or not? I think it remains to be seen. It's a turning point, in my opinion, for Wentz because we finally saw Carson Wentz in one game do something that I've been waiting for for a couple of years, and that's put the team on his shoulders and drive them downfield for important scoring drives. Not only the, the tying touchdown late in the game, the pass to Ertz there, but then not even letting the Giants have the football in overtime and driving his team down again 75 yards, making key plays, escaping uh, pressure, uh, and getting his team into the end zone to win a game. We've been waiting for that Wentz, dare I say, Nick Foles type of moment Mm -hmm. for a long, long time. And he gave us not one, but two examples of that on Monday night. So, Right now, I think you might have Carson Wentz at an all-time high as far as this season. His confidence, specifically, uh, is concerned. I think he's riding high on that right now. Right. But I'm not sure, especially with Lane Johnson, who's now been ruled out. I'm not sure if if, uh, if the team has turned the corner yet. I think it remains to be. Now, if they come out of this Redskin game with a win, then I think having two victories – in a matter of six days, and then preparing for the Cowboy game on the 22nd in Philadelphia, then I think we're talking about something different. But I'm not 100% convinced yet, no. So if you're the Eagles, Ricky, why wouldn't you, and I think all part of that in the fourth quarter was they were down, they had nobody that we recognized playing. It was sort of like Carson go out and do something. I mean, I'm not saying they did that, but why wouldn't you come out with that hurry-up kind of offense and just say, hey, it works so well, and maybe not use it every series, but... I wouldn't wait till the fourth quarter to do that because usually when they do that, it seems like it works. Yeah, Doug Peterson for the last couple of years have has left a lot to be desired, gentlemen. And and look, if you want to put it on Mike Grow, how much of it you can put on Mike Grow, the OC? Uh, look, Doug Peterson is the the eventual head coach and, and play caller on this team, and he's got to be credited when they're playing well, but he's got to take the heat when they're not. And his play calling. Uh, on several occasions, and I've watched uh, the Big Kahuni on Twitter also uh, question the play calling on several occasions. I tend to agree with that. Uh, but look, if it works, use it. I, I get it that to a certain extent they're trying to preserve Wentz's health because when he plays a la Brett Favre and is a gunslinger and 
and takes chances and, you know, the whole thing uh, that has to do with, with risk versus reward as far as the quarterback is concerned. I get it's high risk, but it is high reward. And right now, towards the end of the season, if you're going to be, you know, putting risk in front of reward, you're not going to get to where you need to go. So especially right now, these last three games, I would tend to agree with you. Play the up-tempo offense. Play Boston Scott. They are so weak at receiver right now, bringing up another guy from the practice squad. No Alshon. You know, who knows if Aguilar is going to play? And who knows if Aguilar plays, if that's good or bad? Some of these kids off the practice squad might be preferable to Nelson Aguilar. Yeah. But right now, Wentz is the guy's the key guy to run this offense. And if he's more comfortable in the hurry up and just letting it all hang out and, and just being Brett Favre and being that gunslinger, then so be it. Ricky Ricardo joins us here on Working the Beat. Sorry, were you going to? Oh, well, and, well, I mean, at this point, why would you want him with that line, staying in the pocket? I'd rather have him moving. Yeah. I, I mean, because that's when he seems like he's best. Especially, and he's your best chance to win. Especially, well, they're they're kind of lucking out that Ryan Kerrigan's not going to play this right. week. Yeah, because he lives in because he lives in their yeah. backfield and without well, Johnson. The, the Kerrigan, the and I watched this up close and personal. The Kerrigan Halapulivati Vitae matchup two years ago or three years ago, yeah, was was a disaster. disaster. Okay, uh, and Vitae will be on that right side again. Thank God that Kerrigan's not in this game because it was um, it was men against boys, that right side of the line uh, down in FedEx Field with Kerrigan against Vitae. There I can tell you that, you know, I saw more pressure against Wentz that he couldn't escape from that day and against that particular player in Kerrigan. I think, I think maybe the only time I've seen him under that kind of siege was the Seattle game a couple of years ago when they still had, you know, a semblance of that really good defense of, right. of the Legion of Boom. But other than that, Kerrigan's been the guy that's been the biggest nightmare against Carson Wentz. So having him out, I think, is huge. And I agree with both of you guys. Let look, Wentz is the difference in winning or losing. The defense is more or less, although it doesn't travel well, the defense, you know more or less what it's going to give you. Right. Wentz is the difference on this team. He's got to stand up and be the star on offense. And if, if you hold him back, if you rein him in a little bit, then you're really reducing your chances of getting a, 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 a top-line performance from him. Just let him loose. Let him play footloose, fancy-free. Make plays on the run. It's your best shot. Let Carson ball. be Carson. Let Carson be Carson. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Final question from me, and I know, look, they can still win the division. They can still make the playoffs. They, heck, you know, I, as they could win the Super Bowl. Well, mm -hmm. okay. But they can, they could beat Seattle here. They could beat Minnesota here or whatever. They could do anything. Okay. But in the end, this is going to be a disappointing season, I think, no matter what. I mean, because I think people had their expectations so high. And I think people now see the, the flaws that this organization has. Mm-hmm. Is the ultimate blame for that on the general manager, the head coach, or none of the above? You know, when the when the story of the 2019, hopefully, dash 2020 season is written, I think Howie Roseman's going to have to take a lot of weight, a lot of the hit and, and the weight on his shoulders. Because the way this roster was constructed, with a lot of, veterans coming back i get you know you wanted the speed and deshaun 
but they decided to go all in this year. Mm -hmm. You've got a huge cap hit next year with Alshon. The way this roster is designed, not just personnel-wise, but money-wise going forward. Uh, it's not good. I think, yeah, I, I, No, it's not. And I think Roseman will probably have to take even more heat than Doug Peterson. There's a lot of pieces that if they went down this year, and they have a lot of injuries, a lot of guys that at the beginning of the year said, we, have, we all said, well, these are good additions, but they must stay healthy and produce. And a lot of them, a.k.a. the Deshaun Jacksons of the world and a lot of guys on uh, on the defensive side, you know, there there wasn't much depth, right. quality depth on this roster. Mm -hmm. And now you're watching it all, all manifest itself. Roseman will take the biggest hit in the offseason if this team doesn't pull off a miracle. Well, and grow in, grow in a lot of the offensive staff, too. I think well, we I, I think Roseman can take the hit. I think he's got uh, enough collateral right. uh, in his bank to where he'll get slapped around, but he'll survive. Those guys I don't. don't. Think, I don't think Grow and some other members of the coaching staff have that kind of collateral. J Jim uh, Schwartz? I think they're on their way out. Jim Schwartz? No, I think Schwartz. No, let me tell you something. If you tell me that the Eagle defense, minus all the injuries and 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 the and the let's just face it, guys that have not played up to their to their potential. Mm -hmm. But if you tell me that they're going to hold Brady and the Pats to seventeen points at home, seventeen points they're going to hold the Seattle Seahawks with Wilson, who comes in came in that night, if not number one or you know between him and Lamar, he's in Jackson, the conversation. Yeah, for the MVP for the for the league, mm -hmm. you hold those two teams to 17 points and then you adjust to a red hot Eli Manning at halftime of this Monday night game. You shut those Giants out, hold them to 17 points, three straight home games where the defense has held the opponent, two of which are really high powered offenses, although Brady, eh, but still it's the Patriots. 17 points you're really giving your team a chance to win and, and you really can't ask for more than that i think schwartz gets a pass he comes back okay we're going to go do yeah phillies we'll now, do or phil we're going to do, we'll, do rick james now we'll do we'll do the phillies and then i do want to ask you about rick james at the end <laughs> okay <laughs> all right they got dd and wheeler yeah they're probably not going to get a whole lot else in, in terms of is, is that enough and with oh, maybe, no, 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 no. no, but I mean, no. maybe with more moves will do for them to at least contend in the division. <sighs> Atlanta has taken a hit. Uh, if they, if Atlanta doesn't re-sign Donaldson, I think that's a big piece oh, out I, of that. You know, you, Ricky, their starting pitching is a lot better. Well, you're 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 replacing Dallas Keuchel with Cole Hamels. I'm sorry, guys. This is not the Cole Hamels of the 2008 Philadelphia Philly World Series championship team. Uh, a lot of those veteran pieces in the bullpen for Atlanta are, are out. Now, they did sign Will Smith as a free agent from the Giants. That helps there. But the Donaldson loss, if they don't re-sign Donaldson, that is a huge. Austin Riley is not going to replace the veteran leadership and the numbers that Josh Donaldson put up for Atlanta during the 2019 season. Losing Rendon is going to be big, although they they you know they did bring back uh, Strasburg. But the Nationals, I'm looking at the Nationals maybe having a bit of a letdown. 
a hangover, if you will, after the World Series. Yeah, but they could get Donaldson too. I mean, yeah, they're in the. Well, they could. There's still moves to be made. Uh, As of right now, the Mets starting pitching, and I thought Porcello would have been a great fit in Philadelphia. Ten million bucks one year. This guy is just three years removed from a Cy Young award. He'd be newer than National League. I thought the Phillies should have jumped all over Rick Porcello and brought him in. The Mets get him along with Michael Waka. They're now eight deep. Yeah. If you count Lugo and, and Gazelman, they're eight deep in their starting rotation with Stroman being there. Syndergaard and, and the Grom, yeah. Syndergaard and the Grom up top. The team that I worry the most about in the National League East with Cespedes coming back healthy for a full season and on a contract year, believe me. <laughs> You tell a guy like Cespedes, hey, buddy, you know, you've got one year left. If you want to keep making this kind of money, uh, I suspect that Cespedes might have a big bounce back season offensively. Uh, the, the team that bothers me the most in the National League East that worries me the most are the Mets. I don't think the Phillies have done enough to the bullpen. I'd grab Dellen Betances right now if I were the Phillies. There are some arms out there that I think they, they should bring in to reinforce the bullpen. I think it's addition by subtraction, the removal of Mike Franco and Cesar Hernandez. Although I like both of these guys personally, I know them well. I've watched them, you know, come through the system and covered them basically since the day they were uh, Franco, the day he signed. Uh, him and his parents were on my Phillies and Spanish broadcast when I was right. still doing the work. Uh, but I think those two subtractions, I think you've got to move on from Adubal Herrera. Uh, but Joe Girardi is going to change the culture in that clubhouse. It may take more than one season. Girardi, to me, is the key guy. Gregorius is a wonderful addition. Remember, the Phillies have never had royalty uh, on their roster. Didi Gregorius oh. is has been knighted officially. He is <laughs> That's Sir, Sir, Sir Didi, Didi Gregorius, if that counts for anything. Uh, but leadership in uh, in Gregorius, he, he keeps the room loose. I watched his effect in the Yankee clubhouse. Believe me, the Yankees are going to miss Gregorius in the clubhouse. I guarantee you, with Sabathia gone and Gregorius on Aaron Judge, better take over a big-time leadership role in the Yankee clubhouse because they won't have Didi to lean on. And Didi was one of those guys that was the glue to that clubhouse, and Didi will bring that to the Phillies clubhouse. Well, well, Ricky, I mean, let's be honest. The Yankees only have to worry about really three weeks in October. I mean, they're going to blow through the American League East at this point. But let me flip it back to the Phillies here for a second. Mm -hmm. The Phillies rotation is not as good as the Braves. No. Not as good as the Mets. Their bullpen's not as good as the Braves, the Mets, or the, or the Nationals. Okay, right. their lineup's not as good as the Phillies or as the Braves, Mets, or Nationals. They're not. You know, I mean, you can take as, the, it's, as currently as it's constructed. constructed right now. Um, you've got to see how McCutcheon at his advanced age, that yeah. kind of injury. Let's hope McCutcheon can bring. You know, 90% of what he brought early last year. The guy that worries me, fellas, is Hoskins. Can anyone get Reese Hoskins back? Because I, I think the hitting instructor, whoever the guy was. That John was, Malley. Uh, John, you know, John I Malley. Destroyed, yeah. I think he destroyed Reese Hoskins' confidence at home plate. But uh, And Charlie, the second half of the year, a couple of months, whatever it was, when they got rid of Malley, 
uh, tried. It didn't work. Well, I think you need. I think Reese Hoskins needs a fresh start because right now, even if you were to trade Hoskins for pitching, in in name it sounds good, but Reese Hoskins right now isn't worth twenty cents on a dollar because he's not the Reese Hoskins of two years ago. But but Ricky, this is where I I kind of want to go with this. Okay, yeah. For all the holes they have, and they have a ton. And, and Mike and I talked about this on Tuesday night with Marcus Hayes. You know, the fact that they're bumping up against the luxury tax is kind of baffling when you look at how many holes they have compared to the rest yeah. of their division. And that now suddenly John Middleton's going to put the hands in the pocket and say, uh-uh, no more, to me is, yeah. it doesn't make sense. Yeah, that's baffling to me too. Uh Let's see what kind of spring training they get from the kids from Baum, for example, from Alec Baum. From everything I'm hearing, he's not a stalwart defensive third baseman. Right. So let's say he hits the cover off the ball. Can you put him at first base and maybe try to find pitching in a Reese Hoskins deal if you're going to use Segura or Kingery at third base? Or does Klentak grow a set? be clear i think he needs to grow a set because i think clintack is overmatched in the chess game of general managers around baseball i do but does he grow a set and put a package together to entice the cubs to get chris bryant to philadelphia but then that, that blows package- but that blows your luxury tax stuff sky high too i mean it's i i, I don't know why it, it, it's strange like the area to move and the herrera move and everything yeah. they did are coming back to bite are, them in the keister. Are, 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 are haunting them. Yes. And, you know, I said this on Philly Voice today. If they try to shove Vince Velasquez and Nick Pavetta down your throat, you might as well take that $204 million that they spent and just flush it yeah. down the toilet. Yeah, it's, it's $204 million that's that's worth $100 million. It's 50 cents on a dollar, the investment. If, if they don't fortify that bullpen and move on from guys that, not only have underachieved, but but I just think have brought down, I don't know about how you fellas think about this, but I just think that it brings down the morale of that entire team. But yeah. Pavetta's... Now, I would... Not the brightest bulb on the tree all the time. Um, you know, sometimes, like with Franco and Hernandez, it's addition by subtraction to move away from some of these people. So we'll see because, like I said, the, the wild card in this whole equation is Girardi. Girardi's not going to put up with, you know, 90% of what Kapler not only put up with, but Kapler, I think, allowed right. to grow and manifest in that club. Let's remember Carlos Santana swinging that bat late in the 2018 season and destroying those televisions in there. Why? That was because telling. Because of the culture, mm-hmm. the culture that had been created and allowed to be created by Gabe Kapler. That's not going to happen under a Joe Girardi regime. So a lot of these guys that that, that we scratch our heads about, Velasquez, Pavetta, uh, there's a few more in there that, you know, you walk around and you go, ooh, Girardi's not going to put up with that. Yeah. And if, if, it, if, it, if it requires a season of cleaning out some of the bad to start bringing in some positive people into that clubhouse, then so be it. All right. I, I, I tease this for Kern. I'll, I'll ask you, uh, right. what was life with Rick James like? <laughs> okay. My, Mike, how, how, Mike's, Mike's fascinated by this, Before correct? Before I got into sports, uh, I was a music, 
was a DJ and I'm a programmer for uh, ma- mainly urban disco format, a rhythmic formatted station going all the way back to 1981. I'm not trying to date myself here. I'm, I'm all of 58 years old. I've been around a long time. But uh, I-, I hosted a Budweiser Superfest concert uh, in 1983 at the height of Rick, Rick James's popularity with the Give It To Me Baby, Super Freak, I was Street Songs. Mm-hmm. was the album i hosted that show and when you bring on rick james who was the headline act they they take you into his dressing room they, you, you you get introduced and he kind of tells you how he wants to be brought on the what got us so close was that my particular radio station was being programmed by a guy who was a neighbor of rick james's in buffalo they grew up together as youth but my boss, Frankie Crocker, wouldn't play Rick James's music on the radio. So Rick said, hey, listen, man, if you have any influence whatsoever with your boss to get my number one single, because in New York, it doesn't matter. Right. You can have a number one single nationwide. And if it doesn't get played in New York, nobody heard it. It's like a tree falls in the woods and anybody here. You can have a number one record in all of America. It's not being played in New York doesn't really matter. So Rick really needed airplay in New York, which I was able to talk my boss into giving him. And I, I kind of created a, a peace meeting, a powwow between Rick James and Frankie Crocker to, to settle their differences. And everybody lived happily ever after. Who knows how much money was exchanged back in those days. That was a common practice. But what I got out of it was a friendship with Rick James. Uh, and he allowed me to tour with him on during my summer vacation, which was four to six weeks every year. Sure. So I would hit the road on the tour bus. <laughs> I would hit the road on the Rick James tour bus, and I did that for six straight years. Uh, some of those, uh, some of those nights, and some of those uh, days that turned into nights, that turned into days, that turned into nights. Uh, will be in my upcoming book at some point, but um, it, let's just say it was the ex- it was an experience that I will never forget. And you survived. And you survived. Give you the Memphis story. Do you know the Memphis story? No. We were in uh, Memphis, Tennessee. Rick James had sold out the uh, the Coliseum in Memphis. Had broken Elvis's record for consecutive sellouts. Okay. In Memphis, Tennessee. We were staying at a hotel called the Peabody Hotel. I am familiar. That's where the little ducks walk in the lobby. So you know about the ducks? Yes. These are prized ducks. They have gold feet. (laughs) So the ducks take two walks a day. They they walk through the lobby into a lake across the street at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. Well, Rick Mm -hmm. spent one night on uh, whatever substance it may have been all night long partying with a group of young ladies and ran out of a element that he needed, uh, screens. He's passed away. I'm not throwing him under the bus. Right. So he woke me up at six o'clock in the morning so we could walk out on Beale street, wherever the, you know, the main drag in downtown Memphis right. to go looking for these small screens that he needed for his apparatus to continue his party. So he wrapped his hair in the dreads. He had wrapped his hair up in a Rasta hat so nobody would recognize him. And in a very desperate attempt to get the screens and more beer, uh, we left the hotel to walk into downtown Memphis, but we couldn't cross the street 
until the ducks had finished their walk <laughs> out of the hotel and into the pond. And and, and if now, Rick he, was on substances, I'm sure he took this really well. Well, yeah, exactly. Rick wasn't uh, taking the the uh, the slow walk, the tempo. Let's say uh, it was really Doug Peterson esque uh, offensively lately. <laughs> the slow tempo of the ducks leaving the building into the pond. So Rick uh, yelled an expletive that starts with an F, and it was F these ducks. He kicked one of the ducks, which of oh. course you know went crazy, flapping all ah, all over the place. And the next thing you know, the sheriffs had us both handcuffed, face down on the ground for kicking a duck. He was was he the was he the I hate to say the funnest. That's not the right word, but was the most interesting personality you've ever covered? Without a doubt, well, him or Prince, you know, Prince in another completely different, strange way, and those two hated each other. Prince and Rick James were mortal enemies, and I was again the guy trapped in the middle of that relation. I actually stopped Rick James from shooting Prince. This is a true story. Uh, Prince was um, the Diamonds and Pearls tour, I believe it was. At oh, I remember Square that. Garden. I was on the radio on a Saturday afternoon, and that night Prince was performing at the Garden, and Rick left Buffalo, where he lived in Buffalo. He escaped from his own personal security. He was under the influence of whatever it was. But he flew to New York. He checked into the Plaza Hotel, which at the time was the jewel of New York. Mm -hmm. Checked into the Plaza Hotel, called me on the on the radio station's hotline and said he was going to the garden that night to shoot Prince because Prince had written a song about Rick James called Pop Life. I don't know if you guys have ever heard there's no. a song called Pop, uh, Pop Life, which I think is in the, the album right after Purple Rain. But Go ahead and look up the song Pop Life when you have a chance and listen to the lyrics. Right. Where Prince is singing to Rick James saying, life just ain't that funky unless you have that pop. Because Prince at that time had crossed over to the pop charts. Right. While Rick was still stuck as the king of punk funk. But in those in the 80s, unless you were on the pop chart, you, you know, you were languishing in the in the R&B soul chart. And it was. Every, you know, uh, especially uh, the, the urban artists, it was their goal to cross over pop. So Prince wrote these lyrics to Pop Life, which paint Rick James into a corner. What's that in your hair? Is there anybody living there? What you putting in your nose? Is that where your money goes? You know, all these lines that were direct. And, it, and the, the hook was life just ain't that funky right. unless you've got that pop. And so that drove that drove Rick insane. So he, he flew to New York to go to the garden to shoot Prince on stage that night, and I stopped him from doing that. So Kind of makes dealing with Papelbon easy, doesn't it? Just two examples of my six years with Rick James and Prince. Like I said, it makes dealing with Papelbon a lot easier than when you're considering oh, Papelbon that. Papelbon was a piece of, was delightful. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't have to worry about him shooting anybody. Well, no, I shouldn't. No. I should. Applebaum was uh, you know, the ladies playing bridge with tea and yeah. you know, in, in cookies <laughs> compared to Rick James and Prince. Those so, were fun days. So Ricky Ricardo, you you can hear him on ninety four WIP. Uh, when's your next time on Rick? We'll be back on uh, tomorrow night, Saturday night, ten o'clock. Uh, and then he will be at FedEx Field on Sunday to do Eagles and 
Redskins in Spanish on which channel? Mega 105.7 FM in Philadelphia. And for you folks uh, in Atlantic City, we're on in, we're on there. We're on in Reading. We're on in Allentown. We're on in Trenton uh, on radio. And then on the Eagles app. If yeah. anyone has the Philadelphia Eagles app on their phone, in the upper right-hand corner it says radio. You can either hit Merrill or you can hit me, English or Spanish. So all around the world you can listen to us on the Eagles app and NFL.com. And then he'll be uh... – then he'll be sitting next to John Sterling in the spring. So that'll always, always be Actually, fun. I am. I know what. No, no, no. I sit next to, let's get it right. I sit next to Susan Waldman. That's correct. And then it's John Sterling. But my, to my I could get you in the left. Sterling stories, but I'm out of time. So yeah, the, to my immediate left is Susan Waldman, and we could spend a whole nother hour on stories. <laughs> Believe me. Ricky, I appreciate it, man. Have a good, safe trip up here. Yeah, be good, man. Anytime, and uh, let's go Eagles. Yep. Uh, I, I think if we get to that Cowboy game on the 22nd, at least even up with them, then it's mano a mano. It's Dak Prescott against Carson Wentz. It could be Custer's last stand for Jason Garrett. I'll put my money on the birds. All right. Thanks, Ricky. You got it, fellas. All right. Ricky Ricardo joining us here on Working the Beat. See, they don't have to win this week for that to happen. No. I, but everybody says that. Every Everybody's like, you win this week, you get to the Cowboys. If they lose this week, they get to the Cowboys with the same exact thing on the line. Yeah. Unless the tiebreakers, unless well, you know, it gets into somehow losing to the Redskins, I guess could hurt their tiebreaker. It could. Yeah, I get. Maybe I'm not factoring that in right. I don't know. Just remember the general motto that you stated last week: the Cowboys could have two more losses by the time they play. Yeah. That's right. And the division stinks. Yes. <laughs> And it might not matter. It might not matter. It, 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 you know, the probably cow- won't matter. The Cowboys, the Cowboys could beat the Eagles mm-hmm. and lose, although they get the Redskins at home on the last week. So that, you wouldn't think they well, would. Well, think about it, though. The Eagles could lose to the Giants last week. Um, They could. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't say they will, but, I mean, they've, they've lost to a two lo- two-win team and beat a two-win team in overtime. So, you know, it's not like... Uh, yeah, and they're four four and a half point favorites this week over a team who the running back isn't playing and a rookie quarterback's playing, and there'll be like twenty two Redskin fans yep. in that place. Probably, I'm yep. guessing. Yep, I don't know. You ready? Ready for what? All right, so abbreviated schedule, obviously, because there's only one college football game, and I, I'm actually going to pick that game as well. Go for it. Um, but you know, I, I would tease if 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 you're into teasers, I would tease that game. And put a couple of the pro games where the line is like ten, and there's about three of them or four of them. With the because uh, I think the Navies are going to win, they're going to end their three game losing streak. Because mm-hmm. Army's been a disappointment this year, and, I, and look, Army could win the game because it's Army Navy, but I just think that Navy probably the seniors on Navy who have never beaten Army, they probably want to win this game because yeah. you don't want to leave. How many Army classes left having never beaten Navy? Must have been like. Six, seven, eight in a row. 
Was it, it was like a 12-game losing streak. 13, yeah. Yeah, so that's a lot of classes. And if you think about it, this whole Navy class, if they lose on tomorrow, um, we'll go the whole time without. Well, that's what I just said. Yeah, so, I mean, you're yeah. talking a big turnaround in the series. I think Navy wins the game, but the spread is 10.5 right now. Mm-hmm. I think Lane double figures in an Army Navy game. Army's been a big disappointment this year. They burned, I get it, they but burned me a couple times. But, um, but Mike, I, I, hey, with the emotion of the game and everything, it always just feels like a game that's never going to be. That's yeah. Take the ten then. Take, take the, the ten, ten and a half and take Army. Yeah. So that's fine. All right. Um, you have NFL. You go first. I'm All still. Right. I, I'm playing hurt. I'm. Tra- yeah. You know what? I'll, I'll go first. I'll, okay. I'll just throw. I, um. I got I'll, three of them, so uh, I, I'll probably have more than three. But uh, take the Rams. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, maybe this is the week that Dallas, whatever. The Rams have played pretty well the last two weeks, and, and their playoff chances aren't real good. That's the only thing that scares me about this. Um, and Dallas is probably due to win a game. The line opened at two Dallas. Mm-hmm. It's now one Rams, and that doesn't happen a lot. You don't see a three point. And look, that doesn't guarantee anything. But I, I think I'm going to take the Rams. Well, we both agree on that one. So what I mean, that that means you should yeah. load up on Dallas. I'm gonna take, I'm gonna take Tampa. I am four in Detroit. You realize the Buccaneers are six and seven. You realize the Jameis Winston's actually looked pretty decent the last three, four he, weeks. Well, he, he throws interceptions, but he also throws for a ton of yards. Yeah, yeah. He's over four thousand yards for the year okay. with three games to go, and probably won't get re-signed. It's, you know. I'm just saying. Oh, I know. And and I, because Bruce Arians is kind of thrown up his, you know. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I'm not. So, so you take, so who? I'm, so ta- the I'm taking the Bucks lay to four. Against? The Lions. The Lions. Okay. Lions have been awful the last who, uh, month. So, so the Bucks are playing. Why am I reading here that the Bucks are playing Jacksonville? No. Okay. Ah, it's okay. So you so you're taking the the I'm taking the Buccaneers over the Lions. Yeah, and, and I'm taking and the, I would lean that way only because the Lions, I the court they got you know, they're like all, whatever they are, um, and I'm also taking the Rams minus one and a half over the Cowboys. I think I might look towards the Raiders, laying six and a half in the last game at Oakland Coliseum. I know they haven't been playing well, but the Jaguars are a mess. They're they're they've kind of their their season's over. Head coach is going to be gone. And I'm guessing it's going to be a kind of sentimental. Wild. It could, well, Oakland, you know, it could be like a wild kind of setting. I don't know. I mean, uh, they've had enough time to prepare for this. It's obviously like yeah. the third year, but. But they haven't played well lately. They, they've no. been. And, but I think. But it is weird because the, the relationship between that fan base and the members of the team and Gruden mm-hmm. has been pretty good. Yeah. Um, and so you know that that will be an emotional scene whenever they leave the Coliseum for the last time. Yeah, I, I, I would, I'm going to take the Raiders and, and hope that they just go out with a bang. I'll tell you what, by the way, the, the, I, I get why the Raiders are moving. You know, the stadium in Vegas and... and yeah, and no stadium. It's the same reason San Diego moved. Right. But for those of us who are in our generation, yeah. the Oakland Raiders were football. I mean, they were mean, tough, yeah, 1970s. Yeah, but that was 40 years ago. Yeah. Yep. And, yeah. 
And Oakland has nothing now because the Warriors are... Well, the A's are still there. Yeah, but they want a stadium. I, I mean, they, they, all the facilities... Well, and, they are, and they are building one. They are? They, yeah. they did give them one? Okay. Yeah, well, Jack, in, Jack, in Jack London Square, yeah. which is... And the eight athletics who've made the playoffs like 10 times in the last 25 years and losing the first round every time. It, it's amazing. Because you want to you want to root for the athletics because they they don't play the big you know they play sure. the the low money ball but anyway okay okay right. uh, I got I think I got two more I, I think I'm gonna, more. I think I'm going to take the Seahawks over the Panthers okay I know they're on the road they're laying six Panthers have the, the Panthers are done um new co- and the Seahawks are a pretty good team when they want to be and they're coming off a, a loss last week yep which I had by the way. Yes, you Amazingly. did. Amazingly. Yes, you did. Um, so I think I'm going to try to Seahawks against the uh, – this time of the year, you're almost betting against teams as much as you're betting for teams. That's exactly what I'm doing in my final two. Where are you going? I'm taking the Dolphins plus three and a half over the Giants. Well, that was my that was my other pick. I – the Giants stink. <laughs> they are awful. Dolphins should have won last week. And the Dolphins are – Bad call. Yeah. That guy – I want to see two years from now if, they, if he's if – he, what they yeah. can do if they ever have a little talent. Yeah, and especially if you think that division's going to change with New England getting older. Well, New England is. Yeah, when, I mean, Brady's going to leave. When Brady point. leaves, yeah. if it's this year or next year yeah. or whatever. I mean, that division, the Jets are not good. But the Bills have something going. And I think the Dolphins, if they have another high draft pick, Brian Flores knows how to coach. It's going to take more than a high draft pick. No, but they're I know. they're progressing. You can see the progression. It, it, I don't think it's a progression as much as they, they tanked, but they're playing for this guy, yeah. which I think is a really good sign. Obviously, you're playing with a 40-year-old quarterback or whatever who has his moments, but... Um, and you would assume they'll probably draft the quarterback this year. You would assume if they have enough... Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, like who that's going to be... You, know, you could draft Jameis Winston. You could draft Marcus Mariota. There's no guarantee when you take a quarterback that you're going to take the quarterback. Right. So... Yeah, what's your what's what's your last one? I'm taking the Patriots late to ten and a half at Cincinnati. Again, it's a statement against the Bengals. See, and that's like I said, that's a game I would tease. Like I get the Beng- I'd get the Patriots down to like one because I don't think they're going to lose the game. But they haven't given me anything like in the last three weeks to really sit there and their offense is is their lack of wide receivers, their lack of weapons around Brady. The 32-year-old Tom Brady could overcome it. It's harder for the 42-year-old Tom Brady. And 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 I think their defense is wearing down a little, which is. is really carrying them for like the first eight or nine games. But the bungles are the bungles. So, I mean. And, you know, I think the, I think the Patriots, look, they've lost two in a row coming in. I think the Patriots feel like everybody's throwing dirt on them already. Well, they are. Which is when the Patriots are the most dangerous. So yeah, but we said that you know it's funny. I've been saying that for a couple of weeks now. Um, I, I don't think and I, I never write the. I thought the Patriots could beat the Chiefs last year when they went to Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Uh, how I didn't know how. Yeah, so they wound up outscoring them. I don't think that the Patriots are winning the Super Bowl. I don't think the Patriots are getting to the Super Bowl. I don't think the Patriots are getting the AFC Championship game. Um, see that that like I I. Yeah. If they're home in the second round. There's no guarantee they're going to be home. I, I said if they're right. home in the second round. You think they'd be Kansas City? They could, sure. I, Andy Reid's lost games in the playoffs before. It ain't like we're saying, could they beat Kansas no, City? Well, but sure. I think if you look. They beat them last year when Kansas City was better. If you look talent-wise. It, it, but some, it's not 
If it was I, I get easy, it. If it was as easy as sitting there and saying who's got talent, there wouldn't be a reason for picking games because you just say this team's got more talent. Dallas has talent. <laughs> it just Dallas. Dallas if you look talent wise between Dallas and the Eagles, well, it's not even close. Not close. Right. But that. So that's you know the Eagles could win that game. But, I just think the Patriots are still a good team. But I, I just and Baltimore is really good. I mean. Watching I, them last night. I had my doubts because you know, I'm, I'm always leery of quarterbacks. And they'll catch up with them eventually. Somebody's going to – I was listening. It was funny. I was listening to the fan today, and um, Carl Banks was just talking about how they're going to catch up to them. They're, and, and it's like it's like trying to stop an option offense in the 80s in college football. Yeah. And the way to do it is just to have somebody come in and smack somebody around. Um, but right now, they look really – they look good. Well, and I thought last night – I mean, they committed some mistakes. And, you know, Troy Aikman, when I got home from, from the, the thing at Coleman and Joe's, I flipped on the game and Troy Aikman said, look, Harbaugh's going to look at the tape and say, this, we have to correct this, 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 and you still win by 21. Yeah, but I mean, every, every team does that. The thing that worries me but about they, I mean, the thing that worries me about them is it's correctable mistakes, yeah, but they haven't been there. So you wonder? Yeah, you lost what, um, last year in the first round to the Chargers, right? And 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 that was almost expected. I mean, you, you know, they they have run out of gas at the end. But you try year. to think like who the other good teams are in the AFC. Now it's New England. I mean, who else? The Texans, but the Texans are hot and cold, right? Yeah. They're not that. Who I'm missing somebody? Who the Chiefs? I mean, the Chiefs have Mahomes. I'm missing one team. Who am I missing? Who else is good? In the yeah. AFC. Well, well Tennessee has played really well. They've been playing really well. Buffalo, big, and Buffalo. Big, massive game this week. The Titans and uh, Texans are at yeah. the Titans. That's a big game. Buffalo, But I just don't see, like, Buffalo going to, to the I, Super I see, Bowl. I can see Buffalo winning a game. But you're right. I Maybe. can't see Buffalo going. Maybe. I, I still think Buffalo. They haven't beaten a lot of good teams. They've beaten a lot of teams that, I mean, their schedule worked out well because, and he's done a really good job. But I don't know who's going to challenge Baltimore. Like, who's going to go to Baltimore? And win a game, and is it going to be New England? Is it going Maybe to be Kansas, Kansas City? City? I I I don't know. Kansas City ha- has the wherewithal that they could outscore them, um. But Kansas City's defense, you know, How you see sometimes. The oh God, um. I mean, look, I think San Francisco's that game last week was because if New Orleans awesome. if New Orleans gets the home field, you know, they're going to be well, tough. Well, we to talked beat. about last week, yeah, I'd... and and now they're not going to get the home field in all likelihood. Uh, and and Seattle's really good too. I mean, there's there's. I don't think Green Bay. I don't see Green Bay doing it. That had to be deflating though for Seattle because if you're Seattle, you were thinking at one point last Sunday if you were keeping track. All right, Saints win. We have the tiebreaker over the Saints, and well, you know, Saints take the lead late. Then the Niners win, and then you go and lay an egg in L.A. And suddenly you're a game back again. And it doesn't matter really because that last game of the season is what's going to decide the division. But, I mean, well, there's last year L.A. went to New Orleans and won, even though it was on a, on a bad call. Mm-hmm. Um, but usually you have to be the one or the two team. Uh, you, I mean, you can come from off the pace, I guess. But the NFC, I think, has more better teams. But... San Francisco, I think, is pretty good. I mean, they went to Baltimore and almost won. You could make an argument four uh, of the six teams in the NFC could go. Uh, or four of the seven teams that are alive. I don't think any of the teams in the Central can go to Super Bowl. I, I don't think the Vikings or the Packers can. 
That's just my opinion. I think it's going to be San Francisco, New Orleans. I think, it, I think Green Bay would have to get the number two seed. That's the problem. Yeah, I don't see that happening. I don't see it either. I think Seattle is really good, but I still think that San Francisco and New Orleans are probably the two best teams. Well, I mean, they're one to two seed, but I, th- I just think, and I, I mean, could New Orleans go to San Francisco and win? Sure. And, and the Vikings and the Packers, depending on how it plays out, could end up playing each other basically maybe not back-to-back weeks because I think they play next week. Could they beat a 4-5? But, well, or the no, three, six. that's going to be the 3-6, I think. You oh, yeah, think because the, no, cause the Eagles will beat a 4. four the Eagles or the Cowboys will beat a 4. four. Yeah, you, um, you could have that game twice in three weeks. The thing that I, the, the thing that I like about both San Francisco, New mm-hmm. Orleans, the teams that are really good mm-hmm. are the teams that have offense and defense. Yep. Kansas City, I always worry about their defense. It, it, it just is. Baltimore's got a really good defense, and they got the best kicker in the league. Mm-hmm. And it, I, I, it's just hard for me, but they can lay an egg. Yeah, they could. You know, how do you see the Eagles this week? Um, they have so many pieces out. Yeah, if you told me, but Washington does too. Yeah, I mean Washington's running the Kerrigan back. thing is Kerrigan, huge. the running back, and they got a rookie quarterback. I think the whole it comes down to these. If the Eagles can make Haskins turn the ball over a couple times, which they probably can, then I think Washington's going to lose. If Haskins can play a fairly error-free game, if the if the Redskins don't double team Ertz, I don't. Then, then, but I think the Eagles need to come out and play offensively, like they did in the fourth quarter. Bring. I'm not saying you go up tempo the whole game. Right. It's hard to do that. But pick your spots. Choose your spots. Use Boston. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I know you think, I think I, they're going to win, but you know, I think, I know you think I overreact a lot, which I do. I don't think the Eagles win another game this year. They might not. I, I just don't. I think that the injuries are too much. You got to tell me if Lane Johnson, if Lane Johnson can't play this week, and I get it. He's going to try to play, I would assume, next week against Dallas because that's the type of player he is. But how effective is he going to be? Who knows? You know, high ankle sprains suck. Well, you limit- ta- he's a tackle. I mean, you know, you know he, he basically yeah. has to get in, some, in front of somebody. Okay, but Dallas does have a pretty good speed rush, and he's going to have to get, you know, they, they might not win another game. I'm not, that's not the most outrageous thing I've ever seen. But on the other hand, you could almost make, you could also make case that and that play. last game may not mean jack. So well, I, then it, then that, but I mean Dallas has won three of seven, three of ten. Yeah. So you know, I mean, <laughs> who's worse? We're going to find out in two weeks. Um, one of them's going to be in the playoffs. That's just the way it is. And I think people around the league would rather face the Eagles because Dallas. You look at Dallas. There's Ezekiel. There's the Mari Cooper, even though they haven't done anything this year. You got the two tight ends. You got yeah, Prescott. I mean, they got more talent on the field than the Eagles have. But probably a better line. Uh, their line hasn't played that great, though. I mean, better offense line. I know what you're talking about, but their line hasn't. It's not the line of two years ago when Ezekiel was running for like all those yards. He's had a bad year. Yes. After the holdout. Cooper's had a bad year. Their offense, you, you talk about, I don't know who's going to get fired first, their offensive coordinator or the Eagles offensive well, coordinator. Well, the, the entire coaching staff, you would imagine, in, in Dallas. Is yeah, but even if somehow Garrett figured out a way to stay, like if 
God forbid they won and won a couple games and play whatever. The offensive coordinator is gone. He stinks. You got all that talent and you can't figure out a way to do something. Nah. Um. Hey, I'm I'm proud of you, by the way. Well, oh, one more thing I got to ask you. Yo. Totally different topic. Happy with the President's Cup uh, team right now? Hey, look, you you won twelve or thirteen. If you lose, you lose. I nobody cares about the President's Cup. Okay. I, I want, it's funny for the betters insider. Just a little, little quick thing: you could have got plus three seventy five on the internationals, which I didn't even think was really high enough because the U.S. team was kind of stacked even without Brooks Kepka playing. Mm-hmm. But the, I I played two prop bets, and I thought they Tiger to win more than one and a half points. I think he already has. I think he has his two points. He's been the best player. Well, but but he was paired the first day with Justin Thomas, who who was their best player. I'm thinking, and the other bet was Tiger to play in over two and a half. And I'm like, yeah, he's going to play once a day. Because that's, that's him. That, that's well, no, but he should be playing once a yeah. day. He's not going to play. There's there's not like the Ryder Cup. We you know they have those two two a day kind of things. Mm-hmm. Except on Saturday, maybe I'm trying to think how they do things on Saturday. But um. Hey, look, you know, maybe the internationals, it, it, it's good for the for the competition that they win. Because at some point, you, you know, it's like when the Ryder Cup, when the, when the Europeans win like three straight times, yep. and you're kind of like, can we please get like the U.S. to compete yep. here? But, hey. Uh, but proud of you for gutting it out here today. Next week. I sound worse than I am, I think. Yeah, I, I had that a couple weeks ago. Mm. Um. All right, so next week. Uh, I didn't drink enough last night. That was my problem, I think. Yeah. Well, you were giving it to everybody else. Yeah, but I was. Which I means was, everybody will be sick. I didn't have enough shots. Okay. I should have had a couple more shots because shots are good for you when you're not feeling well. Chris Carlin's going to join us next week. Continent. Continent's going to be on. What's Bob, he doing now? What's what's Chris up to? Uh, I believe he's now working for the ESPN affiliate up there. Okay. Uh, but he's still on the he, he does like Rutgers, does Rutgers games, right? Games, yeah. Okay. So we'll talk. The Chris, who obviously keeps an eye here in Philadelphia from his years, his year plus at WIP. Uh, we will also talk to Bob Brookover uh, on the Phillies as we move forward. Big and, football game next week, bro. And next weekend, it's Derek Gunn uh, from uh, NBC Sports Philadelphia who will join us. Brandon Graham going to be on too? To break, yeah, we should get Brandon on. Uh, to, I told you. To, I told you. told you. <laughs> To break down Eagles and it's funny though Cowboys. when the Eagles lose to the Dolphins, I I guess Brandon doesn't do that when he's walking off the field, does he? Like he doesn't point a finger at Derek and say, "See, I told you." So how's that work? Like you, you only get to do that. Well, when... you can ask him this. No, I'm just, it, that's why I have, a, and I think it's, and I love Brandon. I get it. Brandon's so one of I. my favorites, and I get it that it's like kind of like an inside thing with him, and I I get that, but I think the optic doesn't look well. When you're walking off the field at six and seven, having won an overtime game against a two-win team, mm-hmm. and you're pointing at Derek saying, "Oh, you know, everybody, us against the world." Everybody, yeah, yeah. Of course, it's you against the world. What you know? Yeah. I mean, guess but, what? I'm taking the world plus the points. Oh god! Thanks for joining us. Hope you have a good weekend. Stay safe, everybody. This has been Work of the Beat.